My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment. I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. In 1995, a fellow by the name of Derek Soule, a.k.a. Dirty, opened a coffee shop on West Main Street in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He called it Dirty's Outhouse Poets Cafe. And without that place and the artists who hung out there, there would be no Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. So before we begin our deep dive into the Keizu Slam archives, I wanted to go back. Because the past, as they say, is prologue. So I've taken the one recording I have from Dirty's, circa 97, and the one recording I have of Derek featuring at the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam in 05, and a couple of other nuggets, and put them together for this two-part tribute to Dirty's Outhouse Poets Cafe. All right. Welcome back. Did everybody... Go to the bathroom and get their smoke on and get a beer and tip the bartender and do everything they were supposed to do. I certainly hope so. Okay, now for the introduction I was going to do at the beginning of the night, but I didn't because we got started early, or at least on time. About 10 years ago, I started on a journey that has brought me here in front of a room full of people to do poetry. There have been many messengers, many signposts, many cobblestones, an albatross or two along the way. But if it weren't for this man standing next to me, behind me, close to me, I wouldn't have gotten here. And uh, I'm glad to be here. I don't know where I would have ended up, somewhere else, maybe nowhere else. It's hard to say. What I can say is I'm happy to be here with you to share poetry tonight, and I'm very, very happy that this guy's here to share some poetry with you tonight. So all bullshit aside, here's Dirty. All right. Um, thank you. And all praise needs to go out to Tracy, who's been holding the torch alight for a long, long time. Give him a hand. And I am a man that knows uh, it's never easy to host a show for a long period of time. Um, I'm not even going to mess around tonight. We'll just go right into the set. 
I'll give you one heads up. We have a Monday night poetry show. We're trying to, well, let me repeat that. It is a uh, open mic, more like in the dirties form, where we used to have comedy acts, we used to have musicians, we used to have poets. And it will be at Francois Macaroni Factory. Monday nights, every night at 8 o'clock. I will be co-hosting there when I can. Uh, I am a uh, father of six kids and single right now, so. <laughs> There's the occasion that I cannot make the poetry show because I am working on a regular basis and my schedule is based around work. So I'm always looking for extra hands to help me out at the show. So if anybody wants to go down there and uh, Keith is the other co-host and he doesn't have a clue what's coming towards him right now. All right, we will uh, start this set off. It's called Atman. There it is, again, that noise I thought I heard. So whisperings are nothing for nothing. Have I forgotten, remembered why I came to this place? Grasping for nirvana is never grasping, which is reaching what can't be obtained so long as you can grasp it. And if thought were a fingertip, what would it touch? Who are you? To who am I? The scant words that are poker-faced. I bethink self, lose it to the noise in my head and my ears of city traffic. Sirens blazing, crowd pow-wowing, sounds, lights, lights of all faces, cars pivoting, whisking robustly in and out, veins of animal entanglement, forest life, man. Here we are on a new verge of a very scary what-to-do new dawn future. And it's known that if it weren't for duality, this world would be boringly complete. Still leave praise for the dead. They have left their teachings with the wind in the beyond language that is within mandala. Unto twist phrases tangled doubles, spoken backwards and forwards, understanding neither way, right or wrong, this or that. Kind of feeling left wanting after I withdraw the bar or witchery that smoke. Marveling will, how strong you are if brawn can be neither difficult nor insubstantial. I am in between it, like home is anywhere. Just can't wait until you get home, where you keep the honey locked up, free for anyone to take. next piece is called Nothing's On My Mind. Alright, second thing I need to tell you guys about is a Sunday night's first Sunday of the month, 6 o'clock. My co-host is Steve O, who is somewhere in the house. Right there he is. We do a youth poetry slam down at the Rocket Star Cafe. 
Um, we've had pretty good draw lately, even on Super Bowl Sunday, believe it or not. There's actually, and our we had our feature James Dixon, who I don't think is here tonight, but it was an excellent, excellent piece. If anybody can catch him. Pillow magic, wonder bread, too many voices in my head. This one is my best friend though. He I answer to, rising up to take command of the others. Stinky feet, socks worn five days straight, moldy rags, barefoot, near choking. Happy, no, yet not sad. Dead, dead again, true. Strange way to keep in touch with who's who. That beer goes down with that smoke. Over there, just out of reach. Goes so well with a drink, spork, titch, sizzle, light, ignite, paper, inhale, addiction. Curling as though dragon bound. Visible and pale like crowd, dragging air fronts, cold and full. <laughs> that one did not work out right. Let's try it again. Steve O, you had that on Sunday. <laughs> so, let's try that one again. Nothing on my mind. Pillow <laughs> magic, wonder bread, too many voices in my head. This one, though, is my best friend. He, I answer to, rising up to take command of others. Stinky feet, socks worn five days straight, moldy rags, barefoot, near choking, happy, no, and yet not sad. Dead, dead again, true. Strange way to keep in touch with who's who. As that beer goes down and those cravings for that smoke over there just out of reach goes so well with a drink. Spark, torch, light, ignite, paper, inhale, breathe, addiction, curling as though dragon bound, visible through pale light clouds, tracking air currents to and fro. And I don't hear the music, but whining of past noises spreading themselves over and over and over and over and over again the more you hear well the more they have to say what's today if not tomorrow cut slit scarlet blood stains the pure gray night and i have got a headache transpired by more than enough or was it not enough and wanting more I don't care what's the score. I've been down more before as time keeps on ticking and that second's left behind. I unwind with a bottle. What I wish for, fine wine. Instead it's cheap beer and nothing on my mind. I have to admit, and I'm going to admit it, it's been eight years since I dared touch the stage again after dirties. I want to let you all know this is Brendan, the heart and soul behind Dirties. And a very, very, very good friend, Matt Mullins, has stepped up to the plate. And we are completely and totally improving most of this. So there was an hour's practice last morning uh, in our crazy uh, afternoons as Brendan and I sat on the phone trying to figure out what day could we get together? Starting on Wednesday of last week, turned into Monday of this week. 
Shuffle Brandy Thoughts, Fair-Haired White Lightning, Drambuie Side Away, Placate the Beast by Beat or Deprivation on Whiskey River or Johnny Cash Damnation. The Old Jukebox Implored Understanding for Bullet-Riddled Bar Stools, Stained Glass Floors, Late Grease Filling Out Back Door to Ease in the Soul Bread State, Passing Earth Wine, Hot Box Harvested by Green Man, Hands Back Pass for Wilder Days, When Smoke Man Stood Before Good Old Fashioned Fist Fights. Family, friends, catching up on mysteries, caught in glass, drained through rails, while every evening, same face dream, placates understanding, great ghost on shoulder whispers. Demons pursue self-instructed immaculations, reasoning to lift and pour, heart, beholder of slain benefits, good grief. Some toothless, slobbering, stubble, perforating perfection, perchance penetrating that shade, befalling wisdom, deep meditation, door sucks open. All cranials turn like little zombies in a comic book world, computating sense each hammer at a time. So law call is ordered, festival fulfilled, nailed down by car or feet, to be tossed away in the bed disarray and left there unnoticed. Please tip your bartender. She is working hard tonight to make ends meet. I've been behind that place more than once. Yep. All right. You have to forgive me. I'm going on two separate rants after this. And uh, the first one is about my ex-wife. If you have, if you have uh, delicate ears, plug them. Bitch! This shit feels like I'm living in a long-ass country song. The worst part being I even got the time to put on a good, proper drunk. Whiskey bent, hell-bound. Bitch! You're nothing but a deadbeat mom complaining about paying child support because you're having a hard time. You don't call, don't show up when you say you will. What the fuck did I marry but some psychopathic freaking bitch? No remorse, no regrets telling us that we should be so happy for you. Oh, she's so happy. As your kids die a little each day inside, each month that passes, that you reach out, the gulf grows, hardens hearts, and I'm left dodging them questions. Where did my mommy go? When will my mommy come home? Why doesn't my mommy call us anymore? 
Do I dare tell them because you're a fucking whore? All you want are other men's cocks and your weekends to be free. You crucified my heart on the altar of love and barely, nearly destroyed the foundation this family was built on. You deserve the fucking worst. Hope you get it, bitch. One last piece to go, and we'll do uh, a uh, little diddly for you at the end. When Brendan and I actually created Dirties, the actual concept came about from Brendan and I. We were 20-ish, and um, we were um, being good boys, Mom and Dad. And we were going to coffee shops and other places that had open mics. And that's where actually the poetry concept came from. We started doing poetry and music together. We basically would get drunk. And then we'd improv the night away. And then we'd do a song or two in the middle. And that is where dirties arised. Because we decided that we could take that concept and we could actually create it and birth it, which is where Tracy stands today, that we turned a coffee shop into a poetry center that had freedom of expression. A monster. And it all started about from little nights like this when Brendan and I would decide that we were motivated and would wander off and read some strange shit. Ready? It's called Suckling Kovals. Hate to say it, but I'm an ex-generation person, lucky 13th generation. And I sometimes bitch a lot about the boomers. Reminiscent revenge of senile expectations. Our youth-enduring bashings based by birth. Your media branded like a scarlet letter X. For marketing madness, bottom line. Slackers, lazy, dumb, the lucky 13th generation. These slogans march across lips of talking head pundits that we are supposed to be looking to for guidance, understanding, even acceptance in the reality dominated by their heavy-handed presence and demanding demeanor. Yes, it's true. We will spend the rest of our adult life propping up this aging demographic so they may waste their remaining years enclosed in cozy little villages, cut off from the genuine tearing away of social liberties and present-day expectations. As it will be our children, and we'll have to pay back the man this current massive borrowing of their tomorrow's income so as to finance immediate agendas of those who are in power now. 
need to mass our million individualistic ways and stand up, be heard now, for our hopes and dreams are extremely important to the overall standard of living in the good old U.S. of A. Our voice, our voice, the truth of time to come. Our decisions, the model our children will follow, unlike the generations before, we are entering a fast-track realization that one cannot be in debt and still own a fucking thing. So go to bed, boomers. Lock yourself up. Pass away whatever legislation you must to feel safe and secure. We will look to the future and pray we can make it better for our own. Our homes will be much smaller, our incomes a hell of a fucking lot less. And yes, we will not possess very much, but everything will be ours and paid for. All right, we're going to go for uh, one little diddly, and then we're done for the night. I really, really, really want to make it clear. Thank you. Tracy, you've done a marvelous job with this show for all these years. And if miracles cease, let's uh, hope it stays on for a while. See if we can play this. Not a very good singer, but we'll have fun with it anyways. Sitting alone, sitting alone, watching the late, late show. I got a battle, Jaeger, kind of smokes. I got no like you and I'm down seeds and stems again but everybody tells me there's other ways to get high but I can't seem to drown the tears so I don't even try They say that lonely memories are all you can let go. And I'm down the seeds and stems again, too. That's where it gets real sad. 
Yesterday, my doggy done died and left me all alone. The bank they came and then they repossessed my home, and now I got nowhere to go. That's just a drop in a bucket compared, compared to losing you. And I'm down to seeds and stems. I'm down to seeds and again Thank you. And we'll take a five-minute break for the slam. This is called Three Scholarly Institutional Samples, Part One. Is it safe to be that clean, scrub, banana, peachy, watermelon, flavored gray t-shirt, sweatshirt, white, dark blue, sandaled Nike pursuits of next generation cops ready to defend quite adamantly their right to be recognized by their tits and asses but thinking nothing of their self-created blankets of popcorn bags, plastic spoons, styrofoam, locust, Coca-Colas play so neatly on surrounding grass, Tibet, or the old guy downtown who always asks for a cigarette or a buck gets bugged by the cops but you should give them both anyway. Oh, you disgusting clan. Lame, under the guise of success, of baseball caps and plastic beer containers. Just fucking die and get it over with. Oh yeah, you are. Part two. Adult community education. Primary school with a cigarette vending machine. Land of insulated flannel and thin, underdeveloped mustaches. Girls toting children and drinking chocolate milk. Little ones from one square mile suburbia getting beat into gangs on Main Street. Wonder if they mean masturbation. Nobody cares, nobody cares. Is this healthy? Well, who cares? Part three. I feel like a spider slowly weaving an intricate spider web, then catching insects and wrapping them carefully for a winter haul, only so a hiker with a cold but a nice personality can come along and, right, and walk right through, destroying my carefully built creation and flailing wildly with pieces of me in his teeth and nose. It's called Jesus Criminy. My mother, God love her, said something ridiculously stupid to me again, and I, as I so oftentimes have, muttered under my breath, Jesus criminy. She, as she always does, heard me and replied, well, maybe if you talked to Jesus a little more, your life wouldn't be so screwed up. Now this is from a woman who only recently has found Jesus. Yeah, they caught her. She saw the diamonds on the minister's glasses of my sister's Detroit church, the rings on every finger, and apparently she found Jesus, I guess. I wanted to tell her about how I've always known Jesus, even as she cursed heaven when the washing machine broke, breaking her back, the final straw, making her curse God, her life, and her poverty. I was in the other room on my knees, asking Jehovah that he forgive her because she was under a lot of stress. I was probably 10. Mom, I wanted to say, I talk to Jesus all the time. He doesn't wear diamonds or drive a Mercedes. He lives in a trailer park on Blind Man's Cove, and I drink with him on Sundays. He uses his feet. 
and he wanders in Kansas sometimes. But I didn't say any of these things, because Jesus to her would always be that Anglo-Saxon picture, the baby Jesus in the nativity scene in the park, and the little plastic job people put on their dashboards for safety, Jesus the God, Jesus the Messiah, but never Jesus the man. So I said to her, you know, Ma, I bet you Jesus experiences occasional constipation, and you know how I know he told me. And I walked away, calling over my shoulder, oh, yeah, and God forbid if he'd catch him off his meds. I shut the door. I shut the door, pondering over how Jesus did not weep. He shed tormented tears of blood. The weeping Buddha Jesus Jesus criminy, I sighed as I plopped down on my bed, and for some reason, all I could think of then was Jim Jones. Hello. I can see fire. I can see deep I'm driving a car Falling asleep I can see you You can see me How can that be? see grass I can see sky staying at home saying goodbye I can see you you can see me can that be when we're the same when you do wrong I share the blame everything's white everything's green I can see red what does it mean? I can see you. And you 
can see me How can that be? I wrote this one. Entitled, God has let me keep all of my ribs. <laughs> well, it kind of happened to me, you know, I was just, just sitting there and kind of scratching my gut one morning and, 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 and noticed it and, well, of course, now I know why I live alone. I was really just marking time, challenged by the scoring asswipe that always made the made by the bar. Malcontent to wipe him up the pool table, though I did, I knew she, like all women, needed, wanted, kind, sensitive attention. I just said hi, commiseration over consternation, exasperation with conversation. I, I didn't want nothing. I mean, man. Ah, I just said hi, went to see the Chicks movie. Dialogue, tears, thought, not a pool table in sight. I like Chicks movies. Only marking time, I just said hi, did all the right Mr. Gentlemanly things, went well on into the winter. Movies, books, cross-country skiing, hot buttered rum. Real men don't drink butter, asswipe. But I just said hi, I did, liked it, fond, found time, bought the chocolates, Cohen's long-stemmed rose, dinner out, quiet, drinks then, mellow, hot tub after. And she's back at the bar with the table ass wipe, shooting pool, because he needs to win something too. Do you have regrets? Can you remember a single moment of your existence that has forever defined you as you are today? An irrevocable action that haunts your sleepless nights, causing you to repeat over and over, if only I had, if only I had. Would you go back and make amends knowing your whole life would change? I do, and I would, if I could, go back to the corner behind that middle school, back to 13 and that greasy-haired ninth grader holding a dangerously smoldering Marlboro Red, his harsh whisper, hey, kid. You want to smoke? If I could go back to that one moment in time, I would not nervously shake my head and scamper off to Grandma's safe haven. No, instead, I would stop, look him right in the eye, and say, okay. I'd grab that cigarette with straight fingers, take a long, smooth drag, just like my dad used to before he quit. <laughs> But I didn't. Instead, I ran away and forever after became the nice, safe kid, the one the girls brought home to talk to their parents while they slipped out the back to make out with some hair slick back chopper riding dude named Spike or Slash. And ever since, I wanted to be that guy. I even got my ear pierced and bought myself a Harley. But I've been laughed out of every biker bar from Detroit to San Antonio. And I know why it's so easy to see the source of all my misery. From getting picked last to play basketball, to standing on the wall, to high school dances, I never learned to smoke. 
That's right. Smoking would have changed my life. And don't tell me about the Surgeon General's warnings or top secret tobacco company conspiracies, because I know what every teenager knows. Smoking is cool. Smoking is cool like James Dean in a leather jacket and white t-shirt. Smoking is cool like the kids skipping class playing pinball across the street. Smoking is cool like my grandpa, three packs a day for 65 years, never quitting until finally falling off his tractor in the cherry orchards. And bans on smoking have made smoking even more cool. Smokers on smoke breaks have formed secret societies I want to join. The secrets of the world are unveiled outside of offices and non-smoking cafes. Politicians are called down in very clever ways. If everyone started smoking, world peace would break out. The Russians would bum cigarettes from the Chinese. Saddam would slander and ask Bush for a light. Smoking is cool, and I want to be cool too. At 31, is it too late for me? I'm thinking of stepping up to a serious Carter Day habit by getting the patch. One, two, three. Smoking is cool and I don't need Joe Campbell. You've come a long way, baby, to let me know. I can feel the nicotine coursing through my hardening arteries now. Cancer can come tomorrow. I want to live today. Say it with me now. Smoking is cool. My bowels are psychic. My bladder has only the slightest inkling that paranormal experiences happen to internal organs. Always had the excuse of alcohol or stress to explain it away and convince itself that nothing really happened. But my bowels, my bowels are psychic. The only real question left is, are they passively or actively psychic? Do they detect disturbances in my daily life just before they happen and drive me to the toilet in a forlorn hope of avoiding them? Or is it like sympathetic magic? Do they only move when the crap of life is already on the way? Whatever the mechanism, damn they're sensitive. Enough to pick up special deliveries on the way up the front walk or important long-distance phone calls about to be made. But of course... I ignore them. Maybe if they could speak inside my mind with a totally fake late-night TV third-world accent. Listen to me, boy. I'm all knotted up. That means you don't go work for this man. He make you miserable. Take the other job, hon. Maybe I'd listen to my balls if they came from high in the Carpathians and did card tricks before warning me. I see shit in your life. Endless shit if you move to Fresno, California. Or maybe if my bowels communicated like some Zen mystic. How many kinds of sorrow are there? Do not have sex with this person. <laughs> then maybe I'd pay attention and accept just how psychic they are. If they could speak, English that is, my bowels might be the first agency in history to confirm the existence of extraterrestrials or to communicate with whales and dolphins. Sometimes I think maybe if they stuffed clay tablets full of ancient writing up my ass, then my bowels could make clear the wisdom of long-dead civilizations. Of course, maybe they're actively psychic. Maybe my bowels cause the effects. Maybe they're pulling the strings, forcing people to come to my door unannounced the moment my pants go down. Maybe the reason my ass rarely even hits the seat before somebody asks me, Are you done in there yet? is because my bowels are secretly forcing people to ask these questions because they just like all the attention. <laughs> Normal bowel control may not be enough. 
Maybe with meditation, biofeedback, and secret Tibetan Buddhist bowel exercises, I'd acquire the superfine bowel control necessary to influence world events, bring peace to Jerusalem and Belfast, change history, open the gates to alternate dimensions. Picture every last coked-out scion of every old political gangster family in this country moving to my rhythms. All the Bushes, all the Kennedys, under the sway of my bowels. At least then, politics wouldn't be the same old shit. We'd get some new shit in there. Now, if you'll excuse me, the spirits are calling. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure uh, how related to the topic this poem really is, but at the very least, both the title of the poem and Valentine's Day both start with a V. <clears throat> this is called uh, Voo Man, and it was inspired by someone you all know whose name we won't mention. <clears throat> if you ask him, he'll tell you he's a breast man. Bonchons, he calls them. As in, boy, now she's got a pretty pair of bonchons. Ha, ha, ha. He's the voo man. And every night he's a-watching the titties fly, going bar to bar, eyes wide and mouth agape. Like a little Susie, my parents are Richenheimer on Christmas morning, 5 a.m. Brown ones, pink ones, ivory ones, inverted nipples or not, it doesn't matter to the voo man so long as they're big and waving around. Was it being breastfed for too long or some sort of somewhat acceptable psychosis? No, the boo man calmly explains. Actually, I wasn't breastfed at all, and that might have something to do with it. Though the nipples my mother used on the bottles were pretty large. My mouth was pretty big, boo man remembers fondly. His real name is Christopher. During the day, he's just your average working man, nine to five, pushing papers for some computer firm not even a Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar to hint at his hidden lifestyle. Actually, it's 12 months of puppies. I've always liked dogs, Chris explains. When five rolls around, he commutes the 16 miles to his home, calmly changes into a Yale University t-shirt and blue jeans, hops into the Vumobile, and begins his circuit of light beer and titties. Tonight, I join him. Now there's a pathetic pair of bonchons, he sadly, eyeing some girl of questionable age dancing on the stage to achy, breaky heart. But it's early. The really good tits don't come out till at least nine. Oh, I say. And apparently that is what happened. For two bars later, at around 9.30, I saw the most frightening pair of breasts I have ever seen, next only to Aretha Franklin's after she gained an incredible amount of weight. Boo Man was speechless. The tour continued, and I slowly realized that all the voo man really wanted was to get laid. I told him so. He hung his head in what I thought was shame, but what was actually just a better angle at which to view his Hustler magazine. I sighed and went home, where I was quickly met with a good fuck, and thus put voo man and his bonchon obsession far from my mind, never to know what he thought about my own. Bella was a single mom. Two children and no man, she said. He ran off one night. 
leaving her alone to fend for this now shattered family. Sabrina was putting herself through law school, worked by day as a legal aide at night at the club in between as a student, filling in the empty moments with reminders of her potential. Natalia was an engineer paying off loans. Chelsea was taking care of her mother. Kira was a poet who wouldn't write about it for years. Dancers always have beautiful names. Signatures that are auras protecting the skin that gracefully ripples across the eyes of men. They rename themselves destiny, maybe a little girl fantasy of long flowing hair and beauty. There was always beauty. But somewhere between tree climbing and prom, we learned to forget that daydream. Somewhere the picture turned Picasso and there are jagged edges of a fear-struck society's notion of what beauty should be. They sell it to us in soft colors and silent promises. The images of ten women, thin and faceless, standing in pretty panties, pulling jeans over perfect asses, saying, this is what you want, this is what you're supposed to be. So is it any wonder there are men who need what women are taught is the sum of their worth? You see, dancers are as fragile as that Christmas tea set, and as breakable as one as the first time one of the cups break. Abuse is a word they don't speak, but you can see the fracture of memory when their eyes search the past. These women are only what, doing what they've been taught to do all along. Your body is beauty and beauty is money. Now what are you willing to lose for it? These are side-of-the-road visions from a woman forgetful sometimes. Not the mystic rhythms of justification. This is a portrait of the truth. I got a call one morning. I need to move. Can you come? He had kicked her with steel-toed intention in the base of her spine. She could barely walk. And there were six of us, packing and moving, no one saying a word. We were all afraid of crying. I saw her once after that. She disappeared after her back healed, once she could walk again. I have a picture from that day. We are both smiling to hold back the tears because we all know better but we all want to be held like that first time we loved, cradled like a child still asleep from the car ride. But time makes phantoms of fantasies, makes it easy to forget that we wanted more. One by one, we left when we began to remember our real names. We never said goodbye, just walked away when we'd had enough. Fly away and find your place of freedom. 